Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes or by tweeting at me, at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleejames.com, where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account, at Mr. Rogers Say, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I'm your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm so glad that you are here to listen in on what I know is going to be another great conversation. Well, on September 8, 1966, NBC aired the first episode of a new TV show about a starship on a five-year mission of space exploration. That series was called, as you may have guessed, Star Trek. The first episode told of an endangered, shape-shifting, salt-sucking alien posing as a human woman to lure prey to its lair. Over 50 years, nearly a thousand episodes, and at least eight spin-off series, and 13 movies later, we've yet to meet any shape-shifting salt vampires in real life. We have, however, seen a surprising number of ideas and technologies that appeared on the show over the years, and they've come to pass in the real world. We wanted to talk about some of those things, as well as some of the social and theological implications of the show. My guest tonight is Michael Poteet, who is a Presbyterian minister in the PCUSA Church. He currently is serving at the larger church as a curriculum writer, and he and his wife and their two children live near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I invited Mike on the show tonight because I know that he loves Star Trek like I do, and I thought he would be a great person to have a conversation about Star Trek in this what might be a Trek moment that we're in right now. So, Michael, welcome to Voices in My Head. Thank you, Rick. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm always happy to talk Star Trek. And uh, now, just as you were as you were talking about that first episode, you know that was only the first episode on the air because NBC deemed it appropriately science fictional. Right. The monster, you know, because <laughs> it wasn't the first one filmed. The first one filmed was quite cerebral. They and that was a yeah. a ding against it in NBC's eyes, but. Uh, but but I was thinking as you were talking about that episode, even that one with the salt sucking, shape shifting, uh, vampire creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, even that one has some of the uh, the more high minded uh, philosophical bent that Star Trek likes to be known for, because that that creature was the last of its kind, and mm. uh, there's there's an ecological undertone. I mean, granted, it's 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 not the major emphasis of the show. The major emphasis yeah. of emphasis of that hour is. Uh, keeping everybody safe from the creature sure but um but there 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 are some nods to uh you know this creature being the last of its kind and you can start thinking of that about how we relate to the rest of creation and and other life and um so even though it's maybe not the most typical of star trek episodes it's got some elements in it that star trek would come to be known for for sure yeah 
Well, I'm excited to have you back on the show tonight so we can talk about you know some of those elements and, and things about the show. And just to let everybody know, if you, if you haven't listened to one of our past episodes, and we were talking before the show, I think it was almost two years ago now, we had a Twilight Zone discussion uh, on one of the best shows, I think, from that whole series, The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. And I think it was something that I enjoyed so much uh, and had a great conversation with you about because it's one of those times where science fiction was used to talk about real world issues that were going on at the time and it was it was a show about paranoia it was a show um really about violence and and the, Mm -hmm. the mob mentality and you know we're in this this moment right now where Literally, there are riots going on around yeah. us. The day of this recording, it's uh, the the last day of May 2020. Um, there, there's been this this terrible um, killing by a police officer, and and uh, there's just so much going on in our world right now. So much unrest. We're in the time of pandemic, mm-hmm. and one reason that I really wanted to talk to you right now is I have been. Uh, maybe retreating is not quite the word because I don't feel like I've been able to retreat from anything. I feel like I've been working three times as hard <laughs> since <laughs> since this kind of pandemic ha- has happened. Um, but kind of in the evening, one thing I've been doing is just watching more Star Trek, and I've been watching shows that I'd never seen before. Like I, I just finished finally Enterprise, and and mm. I finished. Um, Voyager and shows that I had just never had the chance to watch before. I always loved the original series and I always loved Next Generation and and uh, Deep Space Nine. But now I have officially, unless you count um, the cartoon, which I which I don't specifically, I I've seen every episode of every Star Trek show, including Picard and Discovery, up to this point. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm feeling like I accomplished something, even though I you're, you're you caught know, up for now because we're for on now. the cusp of a whole new era of Star Trek content. That's you know, right, of which we haven't seen since the late '80s, early '90s. Definitely. Um, so yeah. so one thing that's so interesting to me, you know, referencing that, that Twilight Zone episode we talked about, um, th- there are some things that happen in the Star Trek storyline where they use science fiction, again, to talk about some very real-world things. And we are in a very serious moment in time mm-hmm. right now. Uh, people, people are hurting. Uh, people are grieving. They're, they're, they're going through every stage of grief right now um, with, with all that has been happening in the world even even before um this this police violence had happened um we were already in a state of of unrest you know mm-hmm. <laughs> even before the pandemic i mean we're politically the the whole the whole culture is just in a hurting state so so let's talk about some some things that a show like Star Trek dealt with, and maybe things that we might think it, it might deal with in the future. So just as we begin today, Michael, I know you're a big fan of the show like I am. Tell me, what is your Star Trek story? Where did you kind of first come in contact with it in your life, and what hooked you about it? Mm, I, well, I came into sporadic contact with Star Trek as a kid. Um I was born in 72, so the show was off the air by the time I was watching television, but uh, I was given a Star Trek story LP. It was um, actors you know, doing radio play type oh, news sure. stories of Star Trek as a kid when the, when the motion picture came out, and I did get one of the... The, the first McDonald's Happy Meal was the Star Trek The Motion Picture Meal, and I can remember chowing down on that at my local McDonald's. But I didn't become a Star Trek fan until we moved uh, when I was in middle school. And as I was making friends at this new school, there was a group of guys who watched 5 p.m. afternoon Star Trek reruns on WPTF Channel 28. Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill mm. <laughs> and uh, so I, to have something in common with them I started watching it and that's where I got into it so it's nice because I enjoyed the show for itself and, mm-hmm. and have ever since but it had this sense of community around it for me you know they hadn't seen most of the episodes I'd never seen any of them so we'd we'd watch it and then the next day at lunch at school talk about it and um, friendships formed over that and one of my good friends from that period I'm still in touch with and we still talk about Star Trek and other things from time to time that's terrific Um, that's that's great well you know (laughs) and I I, like I've, I've loved since I was a 
Uh, Go sorry, ahead. You still? Oh, okay. I thought you had cut out for a second. Sorry. Oh, no, no, I was, no, I'm still here. I, I, I was just going to say, um, I, I'm chuckling to myself a little bit when you mentioned the Star Trek, the motion picture Happy Meal, uh, because I'm trying to envision any child uh maybe of any era who found that movie to be like something they really would want to see because <laughs> you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a long slow movie especially it by is, today's but I standards have heard from people on online you know facebook and other places they remember being uh, children at that age and very hmm. excited to go see it because it was the enterprise on the big screen you know well so. that's true and you know what it, it, i'm sure it makes a difference when you see it on uh, a big screen too um and and if you haven't seen uh, everything that we've seen now like you can't judge it by today's standards for special yeah. effects and things for sure but i i still think it's a pretty good movie it's it's it was only recently that i realized that the motion picture is actually uh a remake of one of the star trek episodes i mean when when the uh I can't remember the name of the episode now, but the um, the robot that beams on to the ship, yeah. and yeah, and it's it's like a satellite that was launched, and and it's it's very much like I don't know if anybody ever credited it that way, but if you watch it now, it's like holy moly, they just based the entire movie on this one episode of the show. Well, that, that's the uncharitable yeah. way of you know, it, it's very heavily influenced by the changeling yeah, for sure. The changeling, that's out. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. for sure. It, it hits a lot of the same beats. Um, I think it holds up remarkably well, though, as a... As a uh, I mean, it is slow, and it is, so by today's standards, it's very long, and um, of course, it was rushed into theaters. They had a, a, a very set December 7th, I think, was the, the date it had to be in theaters, mm. no matter what. So it was unfinished when it, when it uh, was put out, but a few years ago, well, I say a few years ago, maybe 15 years ago now, um, before he died, Robert Wise was able to complete his cut of the motion mm. picture, and they put it out as a special edition on DVD. It, it was the thing that convinced me to buy a DVD player. Um, <laughs> but uh, and it's it's it runs a little tighter, and some of the character beats are played up a little more. And uh, listening to the people's commentary track. One thing they'd stressed that I'd never noticed was it's a movie about trying to make connections. Hmm. The crew are, is coming back together after time apart, and they're struggling to reconnect with each other. And this, you know, forty-year-old um, spoiler alert: this hmm. this probe that Earth launched back in the 21st century is coming back centuries later, transformed, trying to connect with the people who created it. And yeah. uh, there's lots of theological overtones about creatures attempts to connect with with god and the transcendent yeah. um mm. so it's it's a rich movie i i i i used to make all the jokes too about the motionless picture and yeah. so forth but uh, <laughs> but i appreciate it more and more as it as it as as it gets older as i get older if I, nothing I, else it's got such a fantastic score by jerry goldsmith going for it well, and and you know what, I, you're right. That score and and it would it would last for a long time. They use it all throughout the next generation oh, yeah. and everything else. So, yeah. uh, and you know what's interesting is that for Christmas this year, I was given the book of the motion picture and and I read it. And then I also recently read the uh, the comic book adaptation of it, which mm-hmm. which is both of them are are quite a bit different from the film. And I'm not sure if I've ever seen the director's cut. I may have to seek that out because that sounds good, yeah. but. But there are parts of it in the, especially in the, uh, the graphic novel. I thought, oh, I wish they would have done that, you know, like in yeah. the film, because it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was like super high tech. It just kind of made the story tighter, and it probably uh-huh. was something more like what the director had in mind. But, but I, I do have a, a special place in my heart for that movie. It's, it's not my favorite Star Trek movie, but I don't think it's as bad as everybody's, you know, <laughs> says no, it is for sure. Well, you know, one thing I want to talk about is before we get too much deeper in here. One thing that's interesting to me about um, science fiction versus like fantasy. Um, science fiction generally is material that could plausibly happen, you know, somewhere in the future. Like it, it doesn't generally involve magic or you know things that are just uh, like supernatural or anything like that. That would really be more like in the realm of fantasy. Um, now sometimes it seems like it's it's more magic, but it seems like especially the the science fiction that, that Star Trek puts forth, um, it, it's almost the idea that 
if it seems to be like magic to you, it's just that you have not advanced far enough yet in your technology to right. understand how it works type thing. So, yeah. um, so I find that so fascinating because just even from that original series in the 60s, we've got so many things in the real world now that seem to have been maybe inspired. And I, I almost wonder if a whole generation of engineers you know, watch that show and thought, oh, we need to, to make one of those type I things. I think it's got to be. Definitely. It has there, to be. There's too many. <laughs> too yeah. Many, uh... And and here's here's just a short list of a few of them, and if you think of anything else, you know, but these are things that we at least have versions of them now. For one thing, tablet computers. I mean, mm-hmm. we, they had tablets all over the place on that show, and, um, and and we've obviously got them everywhere. Even Now we have them in our pocket, you know, <laughs> there's just right, so little. Right. Um, there are things like tractor beams that are real life now. Um, they're... they're Obviously, our phones, like flip communicators, remember back in not t- the, the not-too-distant past, you know, yeah. we all had these flip phones we carried around that were our cell phones, and every time I used one, I thought, this has to be inspired from so one of the Star Trek. I was so sad flip phones went out of style, because yeah. I could always pretend I was Captain Kirk calling the Enterprise. You know, exactly. <laughs> there is that kid in me that, that I would always imagine that when I used it, for sure. Um, but there are things like, like hypers. Uh, hyposprays, um, replicators, if you just think of like 3D printers and things like that, you know, that we have now, which may not be exactly what a replicator is, but it seems an awful lot like, you know, something like that. Um, there are even like cloaking devices. Uh, they're actually literally cloaks that uh, certain branches of the military are using now that can can cloak, uh, literally like make a person invisible uh, in the environment that they're in, which is something straight out of the show. Um, Transparent aluminum, I have no idea how that works, but we have it. We have (laughs) things like uh, obviously Bluetooth headsets and Ohura, I think uh, she had the very first one. She always had that <laughs> that thing in her ear, the you know. Device, yes. <laughs> That's right. Um, and, and you know, there's just a ton of other things that we have. Everything from from floppy disks and USB sticks and things uh-huh. like that. It just goes on and on and on for sure. Automatic doors. I, I don't know if there were any back at that time, but you can't go shopping without it at this point. That's right. So, That's right. And yeah. even just the access to the internet that we have it's like living with the enterprise computer you know and especially if you have voice activated you know google siri or or alexa or things like that yeah it's so you know uh my mother-in-law likes to make jokes about well if she doesn't know something she asks mr google and that's what they would do on star trek all the time they didn't know something they just asked the computer yeah (laughs) it's amazing that uh we've kind of i heard somebody talk about how as a species, we're, we're outsourcing more and more of our memory to the mm. internet, and of course, there's there's good and bad that could come along with that. But yeah. just being able to, you know, address the air and and get the answer to your question, uh, or, or even if you're not using voice activated, in a matter of seconds, you can get hundreds of thousands of answers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and I had even seen somewhere that we're obviously, I'm sure. Uh, to to use a phrase from the show, light years away from it, but they're they're even working on transporter technology right now. And I've yeah. even read some stories about, I mean, things they're very minuscule, like like on the atomic level, but they've been able yes. to figure out how to transport them, you know, from one place that, to another. That's the mind blowing stuff. All the quantum yeah. physics. Things. Did you see the the news story a few weeks ago now from when we're recording this about? Uh, an experiment in Antarctica that supposedly uh, detected particles that the, the popular press was saying. I've I've seen some nuancing that says maybe not so, but the press was saying could be evidence of a parallel universe. Oh, really? No, yeah, I hadn't seen yeah, that. You know, again, very small particles flowing the opposite way they should be and maybe moving backward in time and so yeah the headlines were oh nasa detects evidence of a parallel universe and again the the, the 
credible scientists say, no, no, don't don't go there. That's that's. <laughs> there are many things we could propose before we get to that to explain yeah. what's happening. But it did make me think. So there's there's a universe out there where I've got the goatee and you know that's like right. Your Spock. <laughs> there's a there's an evil Mike out there somewhere for sure. And there's so. an evil Rick who's not yeah. a great Christian musician. You know. <laughs> so. He's, yeah, I, I make terrible death metal music about despair and agony. Yeah, things like that. Well, this is great. Well, I, I'm. It is fun to, to think about some of those things that that I I feel like a show like that really was filling people's imaginations, for lack of a better way to say it. And I and I feel like we've seen a lot of those things, which which is amazing. And uh, it's it's startling when you think that probably in the last hundred to 150 years we've seen more technological and rapid change to technology than we have in the last thousand years Mm. um so it's kind of something to think about where we may be if if the trend keeps continuing in that direction but let's talk about some of the the themes of of certain shows you had some great ideas of of some episodes to talk about and uh, we we're kind of going to skip around we're not going to have time to talk about like every show we like for sure (laughs) but but let's talk a little bit about one that i think it just may be relevant right now uh, even though it's a show from the original series from the 60s called called day of the dove and I, I rewatched it last night in uh, in anticipation of this episode but uh, quickly kind of give us your your take and, and describe that episode if you don't mind just for people who might not have seen it or maybe it's been a long time since they've seen it and maybe we can talk about some of the ways that the themes of that show might be relevant to us today yeah well uh the, the short of it is um the Enterprise arrives at a planet where supposedly a Federation colony has been wiped out by the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the Klingons show up um, claiming the Enterprise has attacked their vessel. Um, so um, it, they all end up on the Enterprise together. Our, our, the Federation folks we follow, Kirk, Spock, all the rest, and they're, they're Klingon adversaries. And uh, hostilities keep increasing uh, among them on the ship. To the point that, uh, like, um, swords materialize out of thin air. And, yeah, they uh, just appear. Yeah. Yeah, just appear. And um, it turns out this is all the work of uh, of an alien intelligence, represented by a glowing spinning disc, <laughs> yeah. uh, in the effects of the time. But but this this uh, this being feeds off hatred, feeds mm-hmm. off malevolent energy, and so it's doing all it can to to stoke. Uh, the animosities that already exist between the Starfleet crew and the Klingon crew to to make those worse and 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 inflame those because that's where mm-hmm. that's what it lives on. And once they figure this out, they they call a truce and uh, and uh, literally laugh the thing off the ship. Yeah. <laughs> um. At, at, in in the closing moments, but yeah. Um. You know that episode really struck me I, in the context of recent events, and I don't want to in any way minimize what's going on in the real world right now it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard and difficult times and mm-hmm. um i don't want to in any way minimize that but yeah. you, you mentioned earlier about maybe retreating being the word or not being the word into into uh shows like star trek during a time like this i think it um it has the potential to be just escapism mm. but i also think um Good stories can spark ideas, and uh, and can help us then go out and do things differently. Um, and so I think Star Trek has episodes like Day of the Dove that can can help in that degree, yeah. however limited it may be in times like this. Um, well, Day of the, oh, go ahead, yeah. No, I was just gonna say it was it was interesting too because I was trying to put some context behind it, knowing they were in the middle of the Vietnam War. You know, mm-hmm. at that time, and there would have been, I'm sure, you know, some of the same uh, rioting and protests and things that are happening right now um, with this, you know, with the death of, of Mr. Uh, Mr. Lloyd that that just happened. And um, I even had an aunt that had said something on social media and, and said, "This reminds me so much of the '60s, seeing mm-hmm. all these protests and, and riots again." And um, and it's interesting that. You know that alien who who keeps feeding off of hatred, and uh, and it keeps 
making their aggression build, and that alien's name is Twitter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, um, but it, it does seem like you're right. The the more that the alien is able to to feed or or feed them even you know their violence and hatred. Um, there's a really uh, unsettling scene with Chekhov yes. uh, in that show. Yeah, it's that unsettling. And, and it's and it's not just it's not just that he becomes violent. I mean, he's it seems like he's about to uh, to to rape a woman Absolutely. almost. You know, yeah, this Klingon lady, Klingon commander's wife. And yeah, and it's even watching it now in our modern context when there's so much more even graphic and and explicit things on i mean just in that moment watching it again last night i thought boy this is this is really like creepy to to see this happening and to see where we go yeah and it's, it's shortly after that um you know kirk runs in and he sees what's happening and he stops him and you know he attacks chekhov knocks him out and then at the, the end of that scene kirk is um, I mean, he's almost like repentant that he had to strike Chekhov. I don't know if you remember oh, that yeah, part specifically. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's but... one reason it's unsettling, because I think where yeah. that episode made today, there might be some attention paid to the trauma Chekhov inflicted on Mara, the Klingon yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, but it's all about, yeah, that, that, so that angle of um, sympathy for the victim of this mm-hmm. aggressive act, Chekhov, you know, yeah, it's that's not there, and I think I think the story would be better for it, and it would be there today if they made it today. But you know, yeah, fifty years ago, it was progressive for its time. I for guess. sure. Um, well, and he and he even says as Kirk is carrying Chekhov away after he's knocked him out, he says, "Is this?" He says, "Is this what's in store for us from here on in? Violence, hatred." He says, "You know." And, yeah. And um, and then the next scene when they're they're in sick bay and trying to revive him, Kirk's lamenting, I, I lost control, and he said, "We're becoming animal warriors," and I I just I do think that that hatred and violence it just feeds that way, and uh, for if we're not careful, it is so easy uh, to let those emotions overcome us, uh, um, especially about people that we don't understand or biases we may have. And, and that alien's whole thing was feeding off of their biases and feeding off of uh, notions that they had. And and that might be an interesting way to talk about another episode, which flash forwards into the future, which you also had suggested we talk about, which is the, the Next Generation episode, I Borg. And... Um, that one is also a really interesting episode because um, it, if anybody's familiar with the show or not familiar with the show, uh, the Borg are about the most terrifying alien being you could imagine because they come and assimilate you and they all share one collective hive mind together. So uh, if, for instance, they're in a battle... Uh, if somebody comes at them with with a phaser and, and shoots one of them to stop them, well, all of them suddenly learn from that and they find a new way to resist whatever that phaser frequency was. And so that that phaser won't work anymore on them after that. And they just come after you. And you know the the line that's so famous that everyone knows that's watched the show. You know about you will be assimilated. You know resistance is futile. Resistance is futile, resistance yeah. is futile or futile or whoever's saying it. And this episode focuses in on they find a life form on a planet and they beam down to find it and it is a Borg person that has been left behind. And they immediately several of the crew, I think it's Worf and, and different ones, they just want to kill it, you know, and, and put it out of its misery or leave it there for the Borg to come back. Um, but Dr. Crusher, she won't have it. She's a doctor and, and she's basically insists, I will treat this patient here there is a living being who needs help and i'm going to treat him no matter who he is borg or not so the whole episode they're they're really struggling with the idea that this borg taken away from the collective that it he he could actually be something more than just borg you know and if you get him away from that hive mind um that this Borg actually does become more human and and less mm-hmm. aggressive, and it actually starts to think of the Enterprise crew as friends. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. they kind of play that out in Star Trek Voyager with Seven of Nine because she gets pulled yeah, away, definitely. you know. Uh, but this was sort of a precursor to that, and and all of them, including Picard, who Picard was. 
uh, assimilated at one point you know <laughs> they have to deal with these these prejudices and there's this great scene where Picard and Guinan are are in like a holodeck doing a, a fencing tournament you know mm -hmm. and, and she acts like she's hurt and Picard stops the fencing match to check on her and then she gets him with her sword you know <laughs> and right. and and she says um uh, I forget. She's she says something like, you know, you you felt sorry for me. Look what it got you. Exactly. Because she exactly. she's really prejudiced against the Borg because of what they did to her people. Yeah. And so, you know, Picard at one point even, uh, you know, she, was she asks him later, you know, did you talk to the Borg? And he he says something to the extent of of. No, I didn't feel any need to. You know, <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. not even going to talk to him. I just know he's evil through and through. No. And uh, and and so Guinan, she she has to change her take on it. Picard has to change his take because they they see him for who he is. And and it, it's a very moving episode for sure. And it deals with a lot of our preconceived notions and and our experiences with people. But but what what what's your kind of take on that? What does that kind of emote with you? Well, yeah, I, what I love about that episode is that they very deliberately took an individual out of this big bad enemy and forced the, the characters and then by extension the viewers to treat that person as a person. Uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. to, I think I read an interview with the writer I think once who said, you know, yeah, it, when once you look somebody in the eye, it's a lot harder than to view mm -hmm. them as the other. As, you yeah. Know, and it's not as that with both this and with Day of the Dove. It's it's not that it's not that these peoples have no legitimate reasons uh, for distrust and for anger and even for hatred. Like I would, you know, w when I was watching Day of the Dove, to go back to that for a second, um, it, the it, there's a couple of lines that you ha you have to dig for it, but but uh, there's a couple of lines that suggest there are there there really are. Um, Reasons for grievances on both sides, you know. Oh sure. Kang, the Klingon commander, says near the end, "We we need no urging to hate humans." We, you know, but yeah. it's kind of played for a joke at that point because that's the point when they're laughing the alien off the ship. But yeah. you know, as I was thinking, watching this episode in the context we're in now, I think the message to take away would not be if everybody just uh, pretends nothing is wrong and mm. you know slaps each other on the back and has a good laugh that things get better. I think you know. I'd like to think after that episode there was some ground paid for the Klingons and the Federation to to talk mm. about you know, some of their different maybe planting some seeds for down the road because of course by the time of the next generation the Klingon Empire and the Federation are allies but so you know um, it's not it's not <clears throat> excuse me it's not that um, it's not that there's never reason for anger or yeah. or or um, suspicion or mistrust and I think that's uh, but it's 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 what do we do in response and, and you know do we uh, that 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 alien feeding off that is more you know it's not so much um, I guess to compare it in Christian thought sometimes so people will say well the devil made me do it yeah. but, but that's really you know abdicating our moral responsibility hmm. so I take that episode uh, Day of the Dove as more of a a metaphor for you know, asserting your own yeah. responsibility to to um, respond to hate with 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 love, with with goodwill yeah. at the least. You know, to to, to not be, to not let it get out of control and, and, and feed feed on itself. With, with and with Ivorg the same way. You know, they 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 start first investigating this abandoned drone's individuality as mm -hmm. a way of uh, using it as a weapon against the collective. You know. Mm. Um, but in the but in the end, um, they give they stop calling the Borg and it. They refer to him as him, yeah. and he has a name, and it's Hugh, and yeah, it's Hugh, he shows up right. again in Star Trek Picard, the most recent series that's come out, um, yeah. which is fascinating to revisit him all these years later. But uh, in the end, they give him the choice, um, you hmm. know, and 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 there's a lot of, as you say, very moving writing about Hugh's conflicted feelings about yeah he doesn't want to go back but that's the only home he's known but now he's got a new he feels you know like a family with these new friends of his and um and uh, they 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 eventually it's they respect his wishes to send him back with the with the hope that just that little glimmer of individuality they were able to uh help him 
express would be enough yeah. to, uh, you know, and so he doesn't end up becoming a weapon, but he does end up going back, bringing individuality to the Borg. Um, yeah. It is a beautifully done episode. and uh, Yeah. Well, and I, you know, thinking about this, whether whether a person, you know, has any sort of religious belief or not, one, one of the, you know, uh, very uh foundations of christianity of course is is forgiveness Mm -hmm. and um i I was just thinking as as i revisited that episode uh and and thinking of that with day of the dove too and how they kind of complement each other well with those two themes um and you had just mentioned it it wasn't that they didn't have good reasons for animosity because they did um and and one of the best definitions that i have ever heard of forgiveness is uh, just defined as allowing another person to to enter back into their humanity again mm. um and when you think of a show like especially that i borg one um all throughout the show the enterprise crew keeps reminding when they have interaction with hugh what terrible things that the borg have done that yeah. he has done you know you've you've hurt me you've hurt my family you've hurt people from this crew you know and and the other part of that is like forgiveness doesn't mean you just go okay we're good now you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. forgiveness is actually when you get the chance to offer it to someone if you ever have that opportunity it's actually saying to that person you know what you did to me it's not that it doesn't matter it does matter and it hurts deeply like you Mm -hmm. wounded me um but that's what makes this gift of forgiveness so significant because it is costing me in order to give it to you you know (laughs) and it it doesn't come without sacrifice and Mm -hmm. i think they find in both of those episodes they're not going to ever end this conflict if they can't um self-sacrificially you know give of themselves in some ways to allow this other person and literally in that iborg episode literally they are offering him a chance to re-enter his humanity and of mm-hmm. course we do see in the in the picard series later i mean he's he's back you know he's Absolutely. human again you know yeah. Yeah. and and i i found that an interesting theme when i had recently watched star trek voyager too because i'd have always heard of seven of nine but i hadn't you know gotten into that show and then i started watching it i thought wow that's that's fascinating because even in that show um you know captain janeway gives her um, you know, this ultimatum when she brings Seven of Nine on board, like, you know, you're going to like being human. And and they have this kind of argument, like, well, what if I'm not? I've never known anything else but this right. since I was a little girl. You know, you're offering me a chance to have free will. What if I want to go back, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and offering that person the choice, you know, and, and Janeway is resistant to it. And, uh, of course, the show would have gone a whole different direction if she had decided, you know, well, I'm done with humans. I want to go back and be Borg again. <laughs> you know? But it's it's just fascinating, the idea that, that forgiveness is this thing that, that really is costly. It's and, and that's what is so hard right now with the country so in turmoil. Um because nobody is ready to just go okay it's we're all good move right. on <laughs> people right. are deeply deeply wounded and and hurt and just uh, and and there's so much rage and i think these these riots and protests and 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 all of it there it's it's sometimes the only way people seem to have to 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 express like i need you to hear this like i need you to hear how right. badly i'm hurting right now yeah um and it's not okay mm-hmm. and yet we won't get to the place of forgiveness until we can acknowledge that part of it too and say you know if if i get to the point where i can forgive you you need to know how costly this is and i, yeah. I think that's a powerful thing so i i agree I, it's interesting you bring up seven of nine because of course she shows up in Picard the series mm-hmm. uh, as well um, and it and it's it seems like she well I don't know what your take on her character arc in Picard is I, I enjoyed seeing her again and I, I like the direction they've taken her character but she uh, spoilers for Picard for anybody listening yeah. who hasn't watched it yet um, she's not at that place of forgiving those who've hurt her right um, and in fact there's in one of the episodes Captain, well, Admiral Picard at this point, former Admiral Picard, gives a a very typical Jean-Luc Picard speech about the necessity of breaking the cycle and practicing yeah. forgiveness, and it's all things I believe. But it's it's interesting because uh, even though you know he believes it too, in the face of Seven's 
anger and, and pain over what she's been through with this person, Picard's urging her to forgive, it, it rings sort of hollow. And, and mm. I think that, you know, and, and, you know, after, after she, uh, basically puts on a show for Picard saying, okay, you're right. We'll break the cycle here. She beams back down later and goes through <laughs> yeah. and kills the yeah. woman. Um, yeah. And, and you know, she tells one of the other characters later, I, I didn't want to hurt the old man's idealism, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly. It was a really, a, to me, one of the most arresting moments of the whole show. And, and it makes me think, yeah. Um, you know, because issues of race are so wrapped up in what the country is going through right now that um, I want to be very cautious as a white American, as a white American Christian, um, talking about these things as though they're easy or as though they're, you know, of course we have to forgive each other and love each other because, you know, it's, it's one thing to say that from a position of lots of advantages. Yeah. That's another thing to, as you say, really have to work for it and, and, to know that it really costs. So, yeah. anyway, that that moment in that episode with Picard giving the the standard uh, kind of uh, Star Trek speech about forgiveness, and then yeah. seeing that, well, okay, you, you know, you think that, but it was just an <laughs> interesting juxtaposition, and I thought it was a dramatically very rich one that made the series yeah. feel more real to me. Um, yeah, you well, know, I'd you like know, to like... think I'd be the one to to take the high road and forgive but i know there's times i haven't so yeah and there and there have been times where i have been slow to forgive mm-hmm. like 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 years um where where at one point i i can remember at one point having to actually go to a person in my life who was significant and and say to them you know do you remember this time back when because we've never talked about it but i've i've been bearing bearing this grudge uh since then you know <laughs> and you you hurt me deeply and and I'm, um and it turned out to be a, a very healing thing for both of us you know and sometimes those silences that we just stop talking about those are some of the most unhealthy things we can do yeah. um but you know, I'd, I'd love to kind of springboard off of this because I know we're we're getting close to the time frame I usually try to shoot for here on the podcast tonight. But I'd love to talk about a little bit of this intersection of like a show like Star Trek, which it does have this idealism about forgiveness and, and being people of forgiveness. And, and for all of its language at times about the prime directive of, you know, kind of not interfering with culture mm-hmm. it's it's funny because it seems like they're just constantly interfering in other yeah, cultures it's kind of like know? the idea in the in the hebrew bible of uh you can never see the face of god but people only say that after they've seen the face of god it's kind of right, like exactly. I'm directive on the original series at least you only you only really hear about it when kirk's getting ready to break it so. right exactly it's almost like when people say well with all due respect and then they're going to say something extremely disrespectful to you you know yeah, exactly, <laughs> yes, you know. so um but i I'd love to to dive in a little bit with another one or two of the episodes, maybe. But the thing that I find so fascinating, and we were talking before the show, so many pastors, especially, love Star Trek, and they really find it to be something very beneficial. And I, I don't know if it's maybe because of some of those themes, and it does hit a lot on forgiveness and things. But there, it's not it's not always consistent, and I think it depends on who the writer is which week you know what what the show is going to do at times um and yet it's kind of gone in a direction i I know roddenberry you know was an atheist and he kind of didn't want anything to do with religion for the most part um and as the show has kind of progressed it seems like the creators of the show um even to the point of you know when discovery came on the air they it was almost like a press release of like you know god will never be mentioned in this show Uh star trek has nothing to do with god you know but but the show has been as much to me about the struggle of is there a god and what does that mean i mean Mm -hmm. we see it in in, you already mentioned star trek the motion picture there's there's lots of things um and and one of the most hated star trek movies star trek five you know that that whole movie literally is about the quest for god you know and you know i think that isn't it's not a great movie okay let's just that's on the table but i think it's unfairly i i think it needs more respect than it gets yeah And and i from 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 me at least being a Christian of the Reformed Presbyterian persuasion, where one of our tradition's um, dominant themes is um, combating idolatry. You know, mm-hmm. God is sovereign. God alone deserves 
our yeah. trust and love and, and, and our fear, our reverent fear and our service. And so, you know, for somebody who is, uh, you know, I, uh, Kirk, um, <laughs> somebody pointed out to me once that uh, if you literally translate James Kirk's name, it means mm -hmm. uh, supplant the church. Because James <laughs> is the anglicized form of Jacob, the supplanter, and Kirk mm -hmm. is the Scottish word for church. So wow. I don't know. I, I suspect that's just a coincidence. But Kirk, <laughs> is a, he's a great one for ferreting out false gods and exposing yeah. them. And I think Christians have nothing to fear from that because the gods, mm -hmm. the Enterprise crew or Deep Space Nine or whoever, the gods, quote unquote, that Star Trek people come up against and, and dethrone certainly aren't worthy. Um, you know, the first episode Kirk was in, uh, where no man has gone before, his friend Gary Mitchell gets these godlike powers mm -hmm. when they go through the energy barrier at the edge of the galaxy. And, and as, as, um, as Kirk and Gary Mitchell are having it out on the planet in the climactic fight scene, um, Kirk tells them, above all else, a god needs compassion. You know, that's yeah. the theology. <laughs> yeah. Whatever Kirk's religious persuasion may be, that's, that's solid sure. Christian theology. If you don't have compassion, you don't have any right uh, to be called God. And in Star Trek V, you know, that famous yeah. line, what does God need with a starship? starship. That's exactly right. the right question to be asking at that moment. Yeah. Here's this being claiming to be God, but, um, you know, God would need a starship. Now, God, our God, might condescend to use a starship or or a show about a starship to yeah, convey right. the truth. I think you know. I think um, whatever you know, the Holy Spirit today. When we're recording this on the day of Pentecost, right? And the yeah, Holy Spirit yeah. is free and 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 not bound um, even to the Bible or the Church. And I think wherever truth is found and wherever love is found, the Spirit is there. So. Um, I think the spirit can work its way through Star Trek sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Whatever oh, definitely. Whatever have in mind or don't have in mind. One of my favorite Next Generation episodes um, is uh, "Who Watches the Watchers." Hmm. Remember that one? Uh, r remind me. It's just been a long time since I've watched all the the episodes of Next Gen. I need to go back again, the but I'm, I'm sure if you describe it, I'll remember yeah. which one it was. Starfleet's conducting covert surveillance of a developing culture it's a, a prime directive situation okay uh, they're in one of, they're in a holographic covered duck duck blind you know but it, it shorts out and the natives on the planet see the facility they see people beaming down to to rescue a guy who they thought had fallen to his death and they see that you know he's alive again uh, they see picard and they decide picard is god all right. They start uh, this whole kind of instant religious system around Picard springs up, and Picard has to tell them, you know, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a god. And there's scenes very similar to um, in the Book of Revelation when John is kneeling before the angel, and the angel says, no, no, don't do that. Worship mm. God only. Uh, I'm yeah. Certain, you know. So, but um, but so it's this it's this episode that is often I've seen sure. other. Christian viewers say, oh, here we go again, Star Trek bashing religion. But I, I don't think Star <laughs> Trek bashes true religion. You know, mm -hmm. I, the letter of James says true religion is defending the orphan and widow and loving the poor yeah. and giving of what you have. I, I think Star Trek is all for those kind of values that that mm. that, that can be found in, in many religions and in people who have no professed religion. I think, you know, that's about, you know, if if Christianity is about the God who became human so that we could become like God, I think yeah. those values are consistent, you know, throughout. So, well, um, and and I think you're right. I think that that Kirk is among many of the characters that that will not accept a false god. Right. And and I think it's interesting in in the premise of the show. I tend to like people better uh, in real life off of television shows too, even if they don't share my same beliefs. I, I appreciate their skepticism at times because I feel like they too like I'm not willing to accept something just because you've told me to right. you know and and I and I want something deeper and and we see that a lot you know and it's interesting to me like the whole series of of Deep Space Nine if it wasn't for the religious themes in that show you wouldn't have a show I mean so much of it is is involved around yeah pretty much of there and you know and there there are things in the original series. Um, like who who mourns for Adonai uh, is is one of the episodes, and you know Kirk says, and people say that that don't.
don't want to think it that anything ever had to do with God in Star Trek. They say this line was just had to put in because of censors or something. <laughs> but the line literally is, and, and Kirk says, you know, we have no need for gods. We find the one quite adequate, you know, <laughs> type thing. And then in the Ultimate Computer, which is another episode we had talked about, you know, Daystrom believed that. you know that murder was an offense against the laws of God and man they say you know in the show so there is this sense in in which I don't know if it was because you know were they trying to appease a 60s television audience or or whatever it was because there's there's no indication necessarily that the people who made the show had necessarily any um, strong leaning towards any particular faith whatsoever but you're right those themes like you talked about that Aaron James we see those all throughout uh, the show for sure and even just the idea of like going back to that I Borg episode seeing your enemy there suffering and dying um, right. you know the the idea that, that the doctor was so adamant we are not just going to leave him for dead or we're not going to kill him like we're mm-hmm. this is a life in front of me yeah. and there's a real sense in like like the value of life no matter who it is yeah. um, that, that it's worth protecting and I, I find that to be um something that most maybe not most secular people but a lot of people who maybe don't have like a pro-life stance you know that i wonder how uncomfortable it might make people you know sometimes when they hear something like that um because we we don't always have that view that all life is precious and even um you know and i could pick on pro-life people just as much too because it seems like you know there's a it seems like some people in the movement only care about the unborn and not so much about the living mm. <laughs> at times. And there's there's an idea in which we see in these shows like, man, life really means something. Uh, even yeah. life that could hurt us and life that could, could yeah. kill us. And it's kind of, for me, the idea of like, I I really don't personally love snakes too much. <laughs> <laughs> so so if I, if I saw a wounded snake, I'd pretty much be like, well, l- let me finish you off, you know, which is almost, <laughs> in, in, in my heart how I want to do it but there are people out there that would go you know I don't like them either but it's a life and let's do what we can to nurse it back to health and Mm -hmm. and in my mind I'm thinking well you know good for you because you're teaching me something about it um, about life and and its preciousness and I do I do feel like that's a strong theme in Star Trek like life really means something no matter which life they are and and just one other thing pops in my head I feel like I'm doing kind of a stream of consciousness this episode, <laughs> but I just finished watching the Enterprise series, and I had never watched that before, okay. and I think it was the second to the last episode of the whole series. Um, the, the show has brought you to where the Federation is just about to be started, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's a, a prequel type show. And they're having a meeting on Earth of several different alien civilizations coming together. Well, somebody from Earth has actually set up a weapon on Mars, and they have it aimed at Earth right at where this meeting's going to be happening. (laughs) And... um, You'll you'll have to forgive me. I've forgotten the name of the race, the the blue skinned with the antennas. Oh, the Andorians. Andorians. The Andorians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the Andorians, this this terrorist that's set up on Mars, it's threatening to uh, destroy the place. That's what would will be Starfleet. Um, he's threatening to use this weapon to destroy it if every alien from Earth doesn't leave in the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. And so this yeah. this Andorian comes running over to the humans and says something to the extent of, uh, maybe you guys weren't the ones to be hosting this meeting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you can't even seem to stop fighting among yourselves. At least our planets, we're all united together. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. And it, it really struck me, especially with what's going on in our nation right now. Like, yeah, we just can't. You know, we had this space shuttle launch yesterday, which was amazing. I loved it. Like, I don't know if you had a chance to watch I've it seen or not. I've clips of it, yeah. Yeah, I, I got to watch it live yesterday, on live on TV, which is a whole other cool thing <laughs> yeah. that our, you know, modern technology allows us to mm-hmm. do. But to see that happen, and I, I was thinking about that line from Enterprise about, okay, you know, good for those astronauts. They picked a good time to leave the planet, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> good on them. <laughs> But 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 I was thinking I was thinking that line is so true like we're all on this 
one planet together, and Star Trek goes out, and it doesn't seem to really have true conflict until it meets these other aliens, you know, right. <laughs> um, because because they seem to have evolved beyond it. But we're here on the same place, and you know, we can't even stop fighting with our neighbors long enough to get anything done. And uh, it was just a line that that really was like, ouch, that really hurts. Like maybe you guys aren't the ones to host this. You can't even seem to stop fighting among yourselves, you know. So. Well, one thing that str- that struck me that um a friend of mine uh, pointed out, and actually, I want to recommend his book to your listeners. It's called The Gospel According to Star Trek. It's by a man named Kevin C. Neese. Sure, uh, we've had him on the show. Okay, here. well, yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, he pointed out to me once, because I was making a similar kind of lament once, you know, this isn't the future Star Trek promised me. He said, well, yeah. <laughs> remember, they had to go through the eugenics war, and, and they had to go through World War III, and it, it, was, yeah. it was a lot to get to, uh, to where Star Trek was. Even it's, it, you know, it's just, that's just not where the series focuses, right? Yeah. Um, so he said, Don't, you know, it's not that the Star Trek's future is, is a given. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, up, it's up to... It's up to us to work for it if we choose to, and and there will be hard times along the way. Um, I know we're wrapping up, but one other pair of episodes I'd recommend if you, uh, to anybody who hasn't seen them or seen them in a while is the Deep Space Nine two-parter called Past Tense, mm, um, yeah. in which um, Captain Sisko ends up in in the pa- in in 2024. 2024, so it, it, yeah, just four, four years, years from now, years from now <laughs> where. Um, through the best of intentions, apparently the government had set up these uh, centers for people with no home and no job to go. But once they'd done that, they didn't give give them the help they promised, and so it's they're out of sight, out of mind, and you've got mm. you know huge swaths of the population um, just um, at, at wit's end because there's no help mm-hmm. coming and things aren't getting better, and and everybody else has forgotten about them, and so there's yeah. things in that show about wealth inequality there's things in that show about race there's you know all of these issues we're facing today but um cisco tells dr bashir when when dr bashir says how did these you know what how do these people let it get so bad you know he doesn't have a good answer for that but but yeah. he does say at one point in the first part of the episode um but they they eventually remember the 21st century eventually remembers um what it is to be human I, i'm paraphrasing yeah. but you know um mm. He says, uh, and so the, the the time of violence and and chaos that erupts in those episodes, he turn out to be one of the the pivotal moments on the road to the Star Trek future. So yeah. again, not to in any way suggest we should uh, make that complacent about what we're going through in real life right now. But it's a reminder mm. that good can come out of such times. Mm. Um, again, but sure. but it's not a given, you know. And I think um, as Christians, we're right to be skeptical in. Uh, the inevitability of progress and you know some humanistic ideals like that but but also mm-hmm. i think um uh, there's i think there's i tend to think there's less daylight between star trek's brand of humanism and uh, and christianity as i understand it than than other mm-hmm. people think i think they they dovetail a lot you know not in all the theological particulars and i don't i don't expect the star trek characters to to sign on to my doctrines, I don't need them to do that. I, I, I you know, I'm looking for them for stories that'll make me think, and then I can think, how does this uh, inter- intersect with my faith, and 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 what am I going to do as a result of what I've seen and of what I believe? You know, what am I going to yeah. say? What am I going to do? Um, so well, yeah, well, you know, as as we just kind of close this conversation, I I can't help but think of uh, the city on the edge of forever, which mm. is one of the the most famous and most loved episodes. And I, I think of the original series. That's that might be the episode that most people think of. I think so. And um, and and you know the line. Edith Keeler must die, you know, type thing. Which, which, by the way, I think would be a great band name. It, would. It, was, already, it, would, it was already taken, uh, but uh, <laughs> but you know, there's there's a this theme in that that you know Edith Keeler, she was right, peace was the way. She was right, but at the wrong time, yeah. you know. And I I think there's something to that, you know. There are these growing pains that we continue to go through, and and uh, and I I 
think that as a Christian we would say God is still bringing us along and we are still at this point of working out our salvation and and uh, and he is still working and still working and still working <laughs> in our midst for sure so it's not that these ideas aren't right sometimes they're right but at the wrong time who knows I <laughs> but I do appreciate um, a lot of the lessons of, of Star Trek and and I do uh, bringing this all back around to where we started I do feel like in many ways there are a lot of themes in these shows that are very similar to something like the Twilight Zone that are addressing real life um, but they wouldn't be able to get that message across if they just came out and said it in a regular way so you can use something like science fiction to really get at the heart of a matter yeah. sometimes without people even realizing you're doing it and uh, so I, I think that's a phenomenal way to talk about some of these issues at times well, I have taken a lot of your time, and, and we're at right about an hour tonight, so I better wrap it up. But, well, I've enjoyed uh, Michael, it all. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. <laughs> well, it's been so good to, to catch up with you a bit again. And uh, as I say to my guests each week, Michael Poteet, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com, where you can find out more about me. Get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.